0: This is Discussions Around Our Table, episode number 009. Today, I sit down with Ryan, who is currently enlisted in the United States Air Force and stationed overseas. So welcome back, everybody. Here we are again in Discussions Around Our Table. I'm your host, as always, GR.
1: And my uh, guest, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name's Brian, I serve in the U.S. Air Force, coming home, talking to my buddy here. So you've been in the Air Force for how long now? For almost two years. Almost two years. So what made you want to go into the Air Force? Um, Just basically to get everything started in life, you know, Um, didn't really want to go the college route, there's too much money involved with that, and if I wasn't going to play sports in college, might as well just go into the Air Force and start the career early. Um, So it's just basically a kickstart and get my school started. Are you just gonna do your four or six years and then get out? Or are you gonna uh, know we, how long you're gonna do yet? We don't know yet. Um, we we're right now. We're probably gonna end up extending like a couple years, just seeing maybe go like move to a different place, not just stay at the same base like the whole tour. So yeah, get to explore
0: a little bit, see the world a little bit. Right. Yeah. So why Air Force? Out of all the branches, is there something specific by the Air Force that drew you to it, or um, opportunities that you thought was there?
1: Yeah, there's a, quite a bit of opportunities. Like the career field that I wanted, um, it's a lot different than just in like the Army and the Marines because um, I, I do law enforcement, but it's also I do a lot of security. And there's and in this, this career field, you have a lot of opportunities to do a bunch of different stuff, like different training opportunities, different deployments, different teams that you can join, um, and all the other branches. I didn't really see that. And the Air Force seems like they take a lot more better care of you. Yeah, that's what... It- um, I think I mentioned here that I originally tried to go in the Air Force when
0: I was just not too long out of high school, but then ended up not making it through Meps. Um, they mm. believed that I was a little too skinny, but that was one of the things <laughs> I looked into was going into you know, um, what they call it, what security service, security forces or something like that in the Air Force, right? Not yeah, MP, but it's something similar. Right. They they want to be different, stand out. Yeah. Um, and so was that your number one choice, or is that? One of, because I know they usually have you like pick like a
1: couple of like MOSs when you go in. Right. So it was up there. Um, I know I put down medical quite a bit, um, firefighter, stuff like this, but I'm comfortable. I'm happy with my choice. Um, got picked up early and it's been pretty good so far. Can't complain. Yeah. So I mean, let's kind of start,
0: you know, from the beginning. So you go, went in and talked to a recruiter. How long from the time, you, the first time you talked to a recruiter until you're actually like shipping out to boot?
1: Um, it was about eight months, so but it was different because I talked to him while I was still in school, so I had to wait until June, and then right in the middle of June, I started all the processing, going to MAPS, getting all the paperwork done. The first time I went to MAPS, they lost all my paperwork, so then I had to come back again like another four weeks later. And to go do the whole thing again? Right. So I went through, and I took my ASVAB the night before, and then I get there in the morning, and they're like, no, we don't have your file. So for some reason it ended up in the Marines office. So, I mean, but going back like four weeks later, um, finishing everything out, I didn't have to go to the first night. Um, and then they ask you, they're like, when do you want your name to drop for the jobs? So I said, just give me about two weeks or whatever. And then about two weeks later, I got a I got a call and my recruiter's like, hey, you're shipping out in November. So I had, a, it was quite a bit of time. Like, to spend with family and, like, figure everything out before I left. So, you got the call in, like, around July-ish then? Right. Late the ju- late July. Okay. So, you had about three-ish months
0: or whatever. And, right. Um, which is perfect, right? During football season. You know, you get a little bit of time off. Exactly. Got to kind of yeah. hang out and watch. So, ship out. So, what's that? Like, what, you know, was your first experience, I guess, with, like, being in the military? I mean, obviously, it's boot camp, but what terrifying, your
1: experience? terrifying. I couldn't eat the night before. My wife and I, we went out to eat and we went to Applebee's favorite restaurant. Couldn't eat anything that was on my plate. Then that night I had a dream cause Thanksgiving was coming up. So I had a dream that we were all at the house and it was Thanksgiving. And then the alarm woke up or woke me up and then I was like, Oh man, I'm in the hotel room. Like this is actually happening. Then we get on the bus and we go to the airport. Um, no, we get on the bus, we go to MEPS to ship out, the final lot of processing, say goodbye to family in that place, which is not really how you want to do it, but I'm glad I got to. Not a lot of people get to. Then went to the airport, uh, flew from, flew into LA, and then flew into San Antonio. And then that walk after getting off the airplane and walking and seeing all the new recruits, and they're just sitting down in a chair, face forward. Hands on their thighs, just looking straight ahead. I was like, "Oh, this is it." And then you start, you start getting yelled at right away. Like, it was pretty tough. Um, so,
0: in the airport, or yes. So, like, as soon as you're off the ramps, coming up, like right then, is that where you're at, or are you like out front waiting um, for a bus? Or we were in baggage claim.
1: Okay. So we landed. But did you really even have that much baggage? I mean. No, I only had like one bag with a couple clothes and some paperwork and stuff. So then we walk up, and the guys like. Get out your phones now. You have 15 seconds to call whoever you want to call and tell them that you landed. So then we did. One kid didn't hang up in time. And then he got yelled at. And so I was like, "Oh man, like this is how it is actually going to be." Because um, you hear a lot of stories about different boot camps, like which one's harder, which one's easier. They're all hard in their own way, in a sense. um, Like Air Force is more of like the meticulous jobs. Like you got to pay a lot of attention to detail. So it wasn't like the Marines, where you know you're climbing through trenches and all that. Like we did stuff like that, but it wasn't that wasn't the priority. So it's more, would you say it's more mental than than the physical aspect
0: compared to other branches like the Marine Corps, not digging through d- trenches and that kind of stuff. So would you say that it was more of a mental game that you had to kind of pass on the way there? I mean, I'm, I knew you said it was, you know,
1: still physical, but not quite as much. Would you say that's the major difference? In a sense, um, Marine boot camp by far. The hardest thing anybody will probably go through, for us, it was a lot of classwork, folding your laundry, making sure everything's good, like clipping strings on your uniform, um, and I'm sure they probably did that in Marines too. The Marines is just they're just a whole nother level of just beast, mm-hmm. you know. But just different stuff like that. Like it's it's still tough, you know. So and I was in there during probably the toughest time, going through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all that, not being able to go home. So, so but. How long is boot camp now for Air Force? Um, boot camp is seven weeks, about seven and a half weeks. So you graduate and you have four days basically with your family. Then you go to Airman's Week. And that is where like a lot of kids actually lose their discipline. It's weird. So they implemented this Airman, Airman's Week. And it's a lot about talking about how you would develop teamwork, how you like would talk about your feelings in the workplace and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's really new. Um, I didn't mind it. And then you go straight into tech school right after that. And then you're basically starting back at the ground. It's almost like BMT again. Your security (laughs) services. How long was your tech school for that? 65 days, not counting the weekends and holidays. So you had weekends off holidays Mm -hmm. off. Right. So when
0: roughly two months, so you're arriving, you know, sometime in November, you're there for seven weeks. Now you're into the new year. And then another couple months of so like March, is when you kind of all done with the initial training.
1: No, we got done in. I graduated in A no, early May. So it was like it was yeah. It was oh yeah, I guess about three months and, that and stuff. stuff. Yeah, that, yeah, so yeah, I was, it, I it dragged out. Taking into account
0: weekends and that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, just going back to boot camp. Anything that surprised
1: you that you were completely not expecting when you got there? The only thing that I can say is just don't listen to what anybody else says. Because it's going to be your own experience. So what I did, I went into it listening to everybody else. Like, oh, it's like easy. It's super easy and stuff. Like, it, it is in a sense. Like, you get, it's not that it gets easy. It just, you start learning better and you start just be, being a new person. They basically just break you down build you up how they want you to be. So I wasn't expecting, you know, just a lot of the stuff that they did. But it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Would you go back and do it again? If they said tomorrow, hey, we need to go back to BMT or boot camp. Would you do it again? With knowing what I know now? Yeah. Oh, in a heartbeat. Easiest money right there. So I have a a guy that I work with. He was uh, eight-ish years
0: in the Army. Mm -hmm. And he actually went back through boot camp a second time. But he was already been in for like three or four years. But he went from, I forget what he was initially, but then he wanted to go into um, Calvary, essentially. Well, they don't have a a school for that. So essentially, they just sent him back through basic training. Wow. And so he went back through a second time. But he was, I think he said he went in as like a specialist or a sergeant or something. He was, you know, he had held rank going through that second time. And, right. You know, he says it wasn't as bad the second time around, but, you know, it's not something he would want to do over and over and over again, but right. know, it's definitely um, something that I was surprised. I didn't think they did ever send people back through, but I guess it's, you know, potential, and, you know, depending on the branch and the circumstances and that kind of stuff, I know that sometimes people have to go through and they switch from, you know, one service to the other or yeah. um, going from, you know, enlisted to officer. Sometimes you got to go through different... You know, school and that kind of stuff. And right. And so other things that happen there. So you go to tech school um, to do security services, um, which is essentially an MP or law enforcement in the military. Anything in there that you were surprised about or didn't really prepare for?
1: Um, yeah, because you think that you get through BMT and that you're going to start being treated like an adult again. But no, you're still given reporting statements. You're still, you know, getting yelled at. I thought tech school, in my opinion, was harder than the BMT itself just because of the stuff, like, the more stuff that you had to do. And it was very specific on, like, your job, how to do it, how to do it right. But it was a little bit different because you thought that, like, oh, I'm off scot-free. Like, I have freedom now. Like, I can go out after work and stuff. Like, no, you got you got stuff to do. Your room can't be dirty, you know. Every night at 7 o'clock, you have to go outside and you have to clean the hallways. So your uh, boot camp was in San Antonio, and then where was your – um,
0: MOS school at San Antonio was there, So you didn't have to go anywhere. So that's, yeah. that's probably nice. But at the same time, also why would people join the military is to kind of explore around. So do you wish you would have gone somewhere else or are you kind of glad that it was all in one
1: spot where you didn't really have to relocate? No. Multiple times. I'm glad, I'm glad it was in the same spot because I already knew kind of like the base and I knew where everything was at and stuff. So, so get done in April ish. Then what happens? Uh, then I came home on leave, just hung out with family for a couple weeks before I went to, uh, home base, which is in England okay
0: what's that been like so what what is it like being because you're 20 is that right yeah so what's it like being 1920 and then getting shipped nine hours
1: away by airplane it's crazy you, you hear stuff about like england and how it's like kind of similar to the states but when i got there i was like this is everything is completely different you know obviously driving on the different side of the road there's like different stuff in grocery stores um you know i didn't have the correct currency i had euros didn't know they used pounds um just different stuff like that and they don't have ac over there anywhere really so you just sit there and you just sweat
0: i'm surprised i've been there once that was right after i got married and um i was surprised how everything was served they call it like cellar cold or like cellar cool where it's like you know if you ask for a beer it comes out more what we would consider room temperature Mm -hmm. and you know over there it's that's just normal you know it comes you know that's kind of refrigerated but not really at the same time and like they don't have ice like if you ask for ice like they look yeah. at you all funny and in the experience that the places that i went which was england which is really you know just a city over right. there and then um we were up in uh harrogate and we went up to then we went up to scotland went to edinburgh and glasgow and did that all mm-hmm. this but it was kind of the same everywhere we went you know you got pop that was essentially room temperature what we would consider you know room
1: temperature you know beer is the same way and yeah you know Food definitely everything has gravy on it, everything
0: else Yeah.
1: You know. Um no, it's like instead of like having doors that you open to get your milk, it's just sitting there on a shelf basically and the shelf is like kinda cold. So that's different. And it seems like their stuff expires a lot quicker than stuff in the States. Okay. So like you buy a loaf of bread and it's like August first and you're like, Oh, this expires August fourth. Like we so you have to eat all of it. Yeah. You don't want to waste food. So That's crazy. Did the Air Force do
0: anything to prepare you to go over there? I mean, give you any insider or pointers or what to expect or are they just like all right see you later
1: um, someone you, will pick you up on the other side yeah basically you get hooked up with like a sponsor and they kind of tell you like where to go like what terminal to go to where they'll pick you up and stuff and then you get there and then you in process for a couple days and then you go into training for about a month okay so oh. just like training
0: for the specific roles you're gonna be doing or training more yeah just
1: like all the stuff on the base
0: okay um so you know, you said that, you know, boot camp and um, your trade school, you weren't, you know, they kind of treated you, you know, a little inferior and mm-hmm. um, did it get better once you got on base or did it, was it still kind of, they treated you like a kid because, I mean, you're coming in without really any rank or like, I mean, as
1: far as, I'm, what what rank are you right now?
0: Uh, E3. E3, okay. Is
1: Sorry. that what you were... I went over there as an E two. As an E two, so okay. um, I got there and you know they they treat you like a human, but they make sure you know your place. You yeah. know you still have your mind your P's and Q's, yes sir, no sir, all that stuff. Just you just can't mess up with stuff like that. And as long as you do that, they'll respect you too. I mean they respect you anyways, but in a sense, you know. So, the current place that you're at is a uh, without giving
0: away you know too many trade secrets I guess is it mostly people similar rank e2e3 or does it seem to be there's only a couple of you guys that are the lower ranks and everybody else is you know e4 and 5 or officer
1: uh, level it's pretty even out so there's like, there's a lot of everybody so all right and then
0: um what's your kind of schedule look like I mean are you working seven days a week,
1: or are you doing five days, you know, Monday through Friday type of thing, or what is it? No, it's just like, it's just a couple days here, a couple of days off, you know, like 12 hour shifts, just normal work hours, it seems like, so it's it's not too bad, I can't complain. Do they have you on days or then right now? I'm on days. Okay, so, so that's not too bad. Yeah, you get to stay the sleep, same sleep schedule. But
0: it's working days there, though, I mean, we're, you're nine hours ahead, it's probably kind of hard to... Contact home
1: and that kind of stuff if you want to, because I mean, it's a little bit, yeah. So I mean, I really only we only call home like on our days off and stuff, like at night mm-hmm. when it's late. So, all right. So, uh going into England, you know, we talked a little
0: about the food and driving on those other. Was there anything over there that you were that really kind of felt like home to you? I mean, that kind of was the thing that you kind of found that made it settle
1: in a little easier. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean. I guess just like finally finding a house, settling down, getting all our furniture that we wanted, that made it more of a home. So like you know, home is just wherever your family is and stuff. I mean, yeah. they get, they got a McDonald's. We live next to a Burger King. Um, just different stuff like that. I mean, it's like kind of different stuff on the menu. I mean, it's not as good as back here. Yeah. But it you know it's it's not it's not too bad. You just can't dwell on it too much, and you just gotta like look positively at everything. Yeah. How much longer
0: do you have on your current? Uh,
1: just a couple stairs. more years. Yeah. So does that
0: sound like it's all gonna be over in England?
1: Um no, if I extend then I'll end up going somewhere
0: else. Okay. But if you stick with where you're at, you'll be in England for the rest of the remainder and then you'll go somewhere else if you re up again. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, if I like end up like or
1: extend, er, extending, yeah.
0: Anywhere you're hoping to go?
1: Uh back here. Back stateside. Yeah, I just you know America's just too good, you know, it's it's weird not knowing you just think it's like so, so, and then you go somewhere else and it's like, I mean, it's not bad in England. I love England, but at the same time, it's like you get really homesick, you know, um, it's just, it, it's just different. It's hard to explain. I can understand that. I mean, um, so I've known you now for
0: a couple of years, but I've known your wife for even longer than that. Um, Mm -hmm. Your wife's mom works with my wife and, um, you know, so we was over there for football days and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, it was a lot, you know, you were over in England for quite a while before even she was able to come over. Then she's only able to come over for a little while before she had to come home. So, I mean, you're kind of over there yeah, by yourself. I mean, really didn't have any family over there with you where, right. you know, some people get to bring their spouses along a little earlier or they already have established family and that kind of stuff. So, I'm sure that was probably a little harder for you. It was. Being, I mean, truly alone when you first head over there.
1: Yeah. Um, well, when I first got over there, I didn't like set up like a different phone like system and all that. And so I was like, you know, rising wireless They're like, Hey, you got like a several hundred dollar bill here, you know, like, cause you were talking to everybody back home too much and stuff. So we, I mean, we had to figure all that stuff out. It was pretty tough, you know? I mean, for my birthday, all I did was when I got a pizza and I went back to my dorm room and just like watch TV. So, but now that she's over there, everything's good. Like it's, it, I get to come home to her every day, you know? and just spend time with her. So it's fun. That's nice. So
0: uh, what about the sites? What kind of fun stuff have you done outside of the military, but with the opportunity of them putting you over in England, Europe, that kind of area?
1: Just driving around, you know. um, We find, like, there's, like, a bunch of cool little stores that just have, like, a lot of housing goods that we go to. Um, Going to London, obviously. like We stayed the night there before going to see just see everything there, like Buckingham Palace, Big Uh Ben, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and that's what everyone, you know, that's what I meant by England's kind of city. That's what everyone kind of thinks of when, you know, you say, him going to England, they think of London. Yeah. And, you know, but there is, you know, it's a fairly good-sized country. I mean, it's about the size of one of our states. Yeah. But it's, you know, still pretty spread out. I know it's a lot by train and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they have huge public transit in London and that
1: kind of stuff. Yeah. It's easy to travel there. It's way too, we live like 10 minutes away from a train station that just can take us to London same day. That's nice. So, um,
0: so if you, did, so you did the tourist thing, you went to Buckham Palace, you can do all the, see all the castles and that kind of stuff around there as well. And,
1: uh, yeah. So it's like, it, it's funny cause it's like once you see one castle, you kind of seen them all and yeah. stuff. But I mean, it's, it's still cool to see everything and like just how old everything is. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we're only like almost 400 years old yeah. and then there, I don't know how, I don't yeah. know when England started. There are thousands of years yeah, old. Yeah. So, um, it's know, crazy. Are,
0: They've been taken over and conquered and, you know, conquered other countries and that kind of stuff. You know, right. you know the, like Rome had a big impact on there, but then, you know, the Scots had a big impact. But then, you know, Vikings come over and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's been yeah. in turmoil for a lot of it. And, then you know, all the way up through, you know, World War II, they were still getting attacked and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was only, what, coming up on 70, 80, 80 years ago now? Pretty Just close. About yeah, eight almost 90. 80, yeah. And so they've always... That but you know, it is very true that we, you know, and I think that we forget sometimes how young of a country America really is, yeah. And that, you know, the growing pains that you know, we're not even like really entering into our teenage years yet of yeah. being a country, and so I think that's probably why we're as angsty as we are. It's crazy. Um, so anything, any pointers, I guess, to for someone who wants to, you know, join the Air Force? Something that you said, don't you know, don't listen to what everybody else has to say, but. Outside of, you know, boot camp, when they're getting ready to go to their first, you know, station, you know, they're they're out of, done a training, that kind of stuff. Something that you've learned, you know, either the hard way or that
1: someone gave you that advice. Um, yeah, just basically, you know, you go to training and then you go to where you're supposed to be. So you have all that knowledge, but you get there and you're still super nervous and you just don't really know how to apply it yet. Mm -hmm. So main thing is, is that it's really good to learn from failure. Like, I've gotten over there and i failed at a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of different tests and everything. And I guess it's just basically don't be scared to show that you actually do know something and know everything. Um, Just don't listen to what anybody else says and just, you know, do it the way you want to do it. Do it respectfully and do a good job at it. That's a lot
0: of jobs. Me and the one that, you know, I have, which is, you know, in law enforcement on the civilian side, you know, we have a lot of newer officers that kind of come in and, you know, we try to tell them, you know, once they get off FTO. For, so, you know, for us, you know, here in Washington, it's five months or 720 hours. And then it kind of varies on how many weeks it is depending on the time of year. You know, I went to I went to academy a similar time of year where I went in October all the way through March. So I hit all the major holidays and we had snow. And so it pushed, you know, mine all the way out to 20 weeks. It was right. how long my academy was. And then you get out of that. And, you know, most departments have at least three months of training. But some, like I know some of the bigger agencies like um, Seattle PD. And I want to say maybe Tacoma and some of those, King County, I know for sure, they all have post academies there too. So you do 20 weeks of at the academy, which is the state academy in, um, by Seattle. And then you do another usually four to six weeks of their academy, essentially, where they kind of teach you their way of doing things. And then you hit the road. Yeah. And so um, we always tell people like when you know we lose a person and we're waiting to hire somebody, it's nine months at a minimum until that person's useful to us. And then once they get off, we tell them, hey, it takes three to five years until you're even comfortable doing this job. Now that I'm, for me, working on my 11th year full time and been in law enforcement now for 12 years. And, you know, um, as a first responder, I guess, since so about 13 years, you know, it's definitely I'm at the point now where I can see the new people coming out, how we kind of have different batches of them. We have some that come out super humble, super eager. Just t- you know, teach me everything you know. I want to learn, and I'm gonna go from there. Then right. you have the other ones who kind of come out of, I know what I'm doing. You can't teach me anything. I'm gonna show you the way. And the struggles that they kind of go through. Yeah. Of, you know, the first rally check when that first big guy or big girl puts them in their place of. I don't care that you're the police. I'm going to, you know, I'm still going to fight you. Exactly. Or I'm still going to do those things. And I don't think, you know, everyone always realizes that. And so, like I said, kind of learning from those failures, but also going in with that right mindset of I might not know everything, but I'm here to learn everything. Yeah. And, you know, being humble. I find that people who are come in more humble and more open minded tend to be a little more successful earlier on. I mean, everyone can be successful, but it's sometimes a little steeper learning curve for the ones who. I mean, I'm sure you saw people in boot camp who probably thought they were too cool for school and didn't want to be there. And Oh, yeah. Um, all the way probably through your training, that kind of stuff where, yeah. you know, I'm the coolest kid here and I don't care who's screaming at me. I'm, I'm the best, you know, in the room.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. You don't know what you're like. I don't know how people could be so confident when they come into like a new job like that when you don't know what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen it before. So like when I got there, I couldn't stop asking questions, you know, I wanted to know as much as I can. So then when I actually do start, like I, I get a grasp on everything fairly quick. Um, you know, and it's just, and it's like that, like with BMT and tech school and stuff, you got guys trying to be buddies with the MTIs and like the cadres and stuff. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Like you can't, they're not that type of people Uh and they'll, and they'll show you. And then there's been instances where they tell you that you're wrong and they're like, no, no, I'm like, I'm okay. Like I know it. And they're like, what'd you say to me? You know? So yeah, you, you, it's, it's crazy how they, some people just come in and think they just know everything and they don't have a clue. Yeah. Um, Currently doing security services, I mean it sounds like you know, you kinda of
0: want to get your, you say you want to get careers kicked off. Is that what you're thinking you want to do when you get out? Is something in law enforcement, firefighter, first response, or are you thinking yeah something else?
1: Definitely. Um, law enforcement is way up there on the list. Like it, it I mean, obviously it's something that I know now. Something, you know, almost two years of doing it. And it's always like I've always kinda of wanted to do it as since I was like a little kid, you mm-hmm. know, besides obviously a professional football player, professional baseball player. It's always yeah. been like, Oh, firefighter, like police officer, mm-hmm. you know. I've always just been, like, fascinated by the career field. Yeah. Any idea of where exactly you want to do that?
0: I mean, you want to come back to your hometown here and do it there? Or are you thinking a bigger city?
1: Uh, I don't know if I want to do hometown. We we have so many ideas of things that we want to do. Um, like, just anywhere around the country, you know, there's just there's just so many opportunities mm-hmm. out there.
0: Is there anything you're looking for specifically in a department, I are mean, you guys, are thinking you want to go somewhere where the weather's nicer, or you want somewhere where there's more opportunity within the organization. I mean, it's like where I work, there's opportunity, but there's not a lot. We don't have our own SWAT team. We don't have right. a marine patrol. We don't have, you know, a pro act team. We don't have, you know, we have one guy in narcotics. That's a multi-agency <laughs> team. But you know, there's other places. You know, you go to a Seattle PD, a Port of Seattle, a, um, King County Sheriff. You know, even some of the smaller ones. You know, down from that, you know, Kitsap County where they have a lot more of those opportunities. For like, hey, you can not just do patrol. You can also do all these other things. Is that something you think that you're interested in? Or do you think that you like the idea of, like, where we're at? We don't specialize in any one thing, but we have a lot of experience. You know, well, I could arrest, you know, a burglar and a robber and someone in a car chase all in the same day, where generally bigger cities, they might not necessarily get that unless they're having a crazy hopping day. You know, they yeah. they take a report, they do their calls for the day, and they send it on to detectives. And, you know, that some agencies have detectives for every crime that's out there. You know, they have... Property crimes, violent crimes, homicide, uh, you know, child abuse, domestic violence. I mean, they could, those are all just detective spots. I mean, right? Have you looked
1: thought of that at all? You kind of just wait until. Um, yeah, I have thought about it. It's like I feel like you will never be able to stop learning, uh-huh. and I feel like it's good to just you know keep filling up your head with valuable information and trying new things and learning new things and just being able to be being able to do a bunch of different things and being good at it as well so looking at a different stuff like that like you said like SWAT team um narcotics all that stuff would be awesome I'd be happy with doing any of the jobs though mm-hmm. it just it's just something that I want to do is
0: there opportunities in the Air Force to specialize in any of those things I mean can you be a K-9 officer in the military or can you you know be a detective in the military do they have those types of positions
1: yeah they do they do um a lot of it, though, is because like I'm so young, I have to wait to be able to apply for those and yeah. even train for those. So, is that something you think you were gonna try to pursue even in the
0: military? I mean, is that or is that not really to you now because you don't know if you're gonna put in uh, twenty years necessarily?
1: Yeah, maybe if if I was if I knew that I was if I know for certain that I'm going in for twenty years or so, then definitely you know try new things, just not be stagnant with what I know. Um, but who knows? You know, we'll see. So, with all the training you've been through up to this point, I mean,
0: you know, they teach you everything from, you know, basic Air Force history all the way through, you know, combatives to mm-hmm. shooting to, um, I'm guessing a little bit of driving in there. Mm-hmm. Out of all that, I mean, what's been your most enjoyable one? And then also, which one was it? One that you didn't think you were gonna like that you ended up liking more than you thought?
1: Um, the combat aspect of it is is pretty fun. I didn't I didn't I didn't know how well I was gonna do. Uh, I did okay, obviously, you know, I was learning at the time and stuff, but it it's fun, you know, you're you're out on your feet, you're moving, you know, you're just trying a bunch of different things, and you're learning a bunch of different things with that, so.
0: So, anything that you thought that you were going to be necessarily better at, but then you got them to realize that you're maybe, you know, not as good? I mean, I remember the first time I picked up a gun, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to shoot this, no problem, and then I, right. you know, barely hit the paper the first time I shot a handgun.
1: Right, yeah, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even marksman. I mean, I I can hit the paper, but you know, that's about, that's about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I honestly, I don't think that I'm good at everything yet. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm good at a lot of stuff, but you know, just for the job, still learning, still learning a lot. Mm -hmm. So, no, that's, that's good that you, you know,
0: you recognize that. You want to still learn that kind of stuff. Even after mm-hmm. um, you know a couple of years, you know you've been at your current post for you know a while. Where you can, you know, you could have gotten comfortable, or I'm sure people do get comfortable in that period of time where they're like, oh, I got this, right. And then, but you know, it seems to be that you are really aware that what you're doing is a a process. You know, it's a you know we tell our officers all the time. You know, this career is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, yeah. you don't you don't need to get all your arrests in one day. You don't need to get in a car chase every single week. You know, if there's right. Other stuff you need to be doing. Focus on that, not necessarily, you know, going up out there. And yeah, you know, crime's always going to be there, and bad guys are always wanting to get arrested. But Mm -hmm. sometimes you got to take that step back, realize, am I prepared enough to do what I'm about to get myself into? Do I know enough to get, you know? Yeah. Everyone can say that. Oh, you know, it's easy to arrest a drug dealer. Well, it's sometimes not. I mean, sometimes you have to get more information, and have you developed the the right amount of information that you know to get probable cause and that kind of stuff. It's not just. Hey, I'm going to pull over this car and I'm going to open it up and the trunk's going to be full of kilos of, you know, drugs and all that kind of stuff and it's right. easy. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's we, we arrest somebody for something small and that something small turns into, you know, finding a small baggie of, you know, marijuana. Well, at the time marijuana, but now, you know, methamphetamines or heroin on them. And that turns into searching their car. Then we find scales and then the scales turns into, you know, getting in the trunk and the trunk gets us into, you know, it's just that stepping stone process. But if you don't have that experience or don't have that knowledge of how to go from A to B to C, you're never gonna get to the person moving weight. You're never gonna be able to link that person on that traffic stop to that house on the other side of town that you've been watching mm-hmm. and getting inside the door to then you know bust that and that kind of stuff. That it's good that you know you recognize that.
1: Yeah, it's all stuff you're slowly learning, which is the best way to learn. Exactly, I think it's good to go in with the mindset as like I know that by the end of it I will have seen a lot and I will have done a lot, and it's also good to know that when, you know, when you get that traffic stop or something, that it could end up being a failure, mm-hmm. you know. You you might not get what you wanted out of it in a sense of, like, stopping, you know, preventing something bigger. Um, But it's good to go in there knowing that, like, you are going to see a lot mm-hmm. and you're not going to just get it, like, in one day, like you said. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of compare and contrast then with what um,
0: you know, I do. I mean, it's a very traditional law enforcement. You can turn on cops on TV and kind of see what I do. Right. Is there anything that you do that you think is probably different that you're not necessarily going to do out in the civilian world?
1: Um, I guess there's just security aspect of it. I mean, obviously, Air Force, there's planes. You know, mm-hmm. you got to take care of that. So I, th- I, I think that's, you know, almost about it. Obviously, there's like different steps and different procedures on how to do things in the civilian yeah. world. But that's basically just about it.
0: So, I mean, do you get to pull people over, do you know, run traffic, catch speeders, that kind of stuff? Or is yeah. that... Yeah.
1: I mean, um, it's common. Like I've been pulled over before, you know, it happens. It's not the biggest priority in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, cause number one thing is just a mission. Yeah. So.
0: I mean, we're the same way that when we have time, we run traffic or if mm-hmm. someone does something really bad where it's a safety issue. We'll do it. But you know, a lot of people always say, Oh, that person just did such and such a thing. And that cop didn't do anything. We well, got to understand that cop likely is probably going somewhere mm-hmm. that is a higher priority thing. Just because they don't have their lights on and their sirens on doesn't mean they're not going to a priority call. Yeah. Just that priority might be not in progress. You know, we could be going to the hospital to interview a victim of a crime. We could be heading on onto a burglary that just occurred and we're checking the area or something. So, you know, a lot of times you see a cop, when you think that, oh, they're not doing anything, the odds of them that they likely are. You know, unless you see them sleeping in their car, they're probably patrolling in some way or doing something or in Mm -hmm. route to a call, especially with where we're at. I mean, we run, um, you know, we're a town of 20,000 people and we run 27,000 calls a year, Yeah, which is, you know, more than one call per person. And there's only 20 of us on patrol, but generally only between three and five of us on at a time. So you split 27,000 calls across 365 days. When I started, I think we averaged around 1,500 calls an officer. Now we're up to like 3,000 calls an officer. Wow. And that can change, you know, because obviously it's like if me and you both go to the same call, well, that's one call, but we each went to it. So it's mm-hmm. obviously that, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, obviously the math would be different. If I was going to 3,000 calls times, you know, 20 people, that would be 60,000, but it's not quite like that. Yeah. But for us, you know, we write a lot of reports. Yeah. Is that the same for you
1: guys? I mean, do you have... I guess it just depends on where you're working that day. Yeah. You know, um, like if someone needs a statement, you know DNA, all that type of stuff, like all that handiwork. It get, I mean it gets spread out depending on like where you are at in your mm-hmm. job, you know, the level of training that you have, whether you'll be, whether you'll be able to do it or not. Um, I mean there's there's there is a lot to do though.
0: Uh-huh. No there's always there's always something to do. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything though that not that you're not allowed to do, but I guess that we have to ask for local assistance from I mean, I don't know what they call law enforcement police officers over in you know England and that kind of stuff or you're is there times we have to hey this isn't ours this is theirs right. or that kind of stuff and you got to send that kind of stuff over to them
1: right so like it was on the news um when somebody you know came on the base and they had unauthorized access and stuff you know and mm-hmm. they crashed into a plane um it was a British guy so then the British police took him away and stuff like that so you know if like a you know someone from the sovereign area, does something. Obviously, we stop it, Mm -hmm. but then we also let them take care of it. So you don't necessarily have
0: jurisdiction over everybody on your base, but um, it's like for us, we have jurisdiction on anybody who's in the city limit where we're at, we can arrest them or do those types of things. If they are foreign nationals, we obviously sort that out, that kind of stuff. But there's pockets throughout where I live where there's tribal agencies that have exclusive jurisdiction as Mm -hmm. well as federal agencies. Um, Like there's one building in town where we have zero authority. We can't do literally anything inside that building. Someone could be committing any crime they want right in front of us, and we couldn't arrest them for it, even wow. if we witnessed them doing it. We have to have all these other people show up. We can contain the scene, you know, if it's somebody who's actively hurting somebody. We're going to contain that scene, but right. we can't arrest them. We can't really, barely even detain them and that kind of stuff. And so, it's um, do you have that same ex- experience, or does it mean? Obviously on the base, you
1: have what it is, but is there like a buffer area outside the base? Not quite. So, I mean, it's it's all inside of the base that you have jurisdiction over. Um, basically, you see something wrong, you stop it, and then whoever needs to take care of it, in that, in that case, will take care of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all work pretty well together for it. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not too bad. Everybody works together.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So, do you say as much as you can, I guess, kind of talk about, the like, uniform-wise, do you wear what
1: someone would see,
0: like, someone over, like, in an active war zone wearing every day? Or do you say you wear something more like what a general law enforcement person, like would kind of...
1: General law enforcement would have, yeah.
0: Okay. So, your duty belt, you know, a, probably a regular ballistic vest, like a soft panel, as opposed to hard panels? Or do you wear um, the external, like, hard panels and that kind of stuff? Uh,
1: external, yeah. Okay.
0: And then... um you know, for us, it's a, you know, a duty sidearm. Are you guys, same thing, duty sidearms? Or mm-hmm. you, you know, have a M4 or something slung all the time? Yeah, we, have,
1: we have both, so. Okay. So, it's a little bit A little different. bit different, yeah, in a sense. But, basically, you know, we're still law enforcement, you know. Yeah.
0: Same cars? I mean, you guys driving around Crown Vics, Ford Explorers types of things? Or is it, you know, Humvees and... Um,
1: no, it's it's like regular patrol vehicles, you know, police on the side, lights, sirens, everything. So... Do you, do you just get to have the English siren when you over there? No. No, man. I know it's a bummer.
0: Some of our cars have that as a <laughs> option. You know, you can click it all the way over. Um, and a lot of people run because they think it's, you know, humorous to run around town with yeah. that. You always see people looking like, What's that sound? <laughs> what is that? Um so it's always for us a little bit of entertainment that kind of right. stuff you have to do. And um So for us we have to attend training every single year. I mean, we do forty eight hours of in service training plus an additional 24 hours of, um, they call it core training, which is, you know, certified by the state. And then, um, every, you know, year or two, we have to go back and recertify and, you know, our, um, driving. And then every, I want to say three to five years, we got to go back and do our, um, breathalyzer, you know, recertification and that kind of stuff. Do you guys have those requirements or is it kind of not as much? Because I mean, I'm sure it's, you guys are a lot more choppy and like, you know, you're, you're you and you're going to be bounced around at like different bases and then you mm-hmm. might only be there for four years and then you're out. I mean, right. do they, is there like recertification periods um, in that during that four years that you know, of?
1: every, every base has their own things that you have to be certified on, uh, whether it's quarterly or annually, semi-annually. Um, so it just comes up at different times, but like we train, you know, just about every week. So, I mean, I guess in that sense, it's like kind of, it's kind of the same.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess that's you know, some of the like firefighters, they train, Generally, you know, every day they do some type of training or right, they do some type of training. Where for us, we do um, monthly training, where but we do it for an entire day as opposed right. to you know, an hour here, an hour there, that kind of stuff. Where we'll do that, um, like I said, 48 hours of in service training, which covers our firearms, defensive tactics, case law updates, mm-hmm. and all those types of things. And then we, you know, generally get sent away to training for you know, evoc or which is you know, our emergency vehicle operations, or we do. Um, our breathalyzer which is we get sent away for that. sometimes they'll come up if we have enough people who all need the certification all at the same time then they'll send somebody up here to do right. that but generally you know it's a couple hour drive to go somewhere to go get training that kind of stuff and then you know, I've been to a couple week long schools whether it be you know for me pre-supervisor which is a 40 hour school or homicide investigation which is 40 hour school or I went to tactical medicine which is 44 hour school right um, so I've been to a lot of different things like that are there I guess those opportunities there as well. I mean, could you, if you see a training class that came up to give you experience or they have kind of your career timeline really mapped out for you?
1: Um, I guess, I mean, since I've been there, I've only seen about like two classes where they like bring somebody in to teach you like different stuff that we don't offer, you Mm -hmm. know, basically everything is just like a revamped, you know, remember this, like make sure you keep doing this, you know, all that stuff.
0: So there's a lot of kind of more in service
1: type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean, like I said, it's probably harder with not knowing how long they're going to keep you for or exactly. that you're going to stick around, that it's probably harder to invest time and money into a person who yeah might only be there for another year or two and then
1: they're out. Right. I mean, and plus, you know, it's just like for that base. Yeah. So like, you go to a different base and then you got to learn just like a bunch of new different stuff, like how they do things, you know, their procedures mm-hmm. and stuff. So, Is there any uh, other
0: MOS that you work with on a pretty regular basis? Like... I mean, like transport or mm-hmm. the munitions people or that kind of stuff. Or are you guys kind of your own little autonomous?
1: Uh, we're kind of our own. Like we have just like different sections that deal with different things, like back office jobs in a sense. So I mean, I mean, from what I see, I don't really, we don't, I don't really work with anybody from a different career field. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what about other branches?
1: Not where I am, but other places there are. You know, you work with like the same branch, like joint bases and stuff. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, know I mean, like we're um, close where we're at, you know, um joint base Lewis McCord, which they used to be just McCord and then just Fort Lewis and now it's combined. Mm-hmm. So that's army and um Air Force. Yep. Um I guess for most bases, would you say that they're joint bases or would you say that as far as you know, I mean you've only obviously been to this well two San Antonio and here mm-hmm. or England, but would you say that it's common to be single bases or that it's more common to be now joint bases?
1: Um I mean there's I mean there's someone from everywhere at every base, you know, whether it's, like, TDY or, like, training or something like that, you know, uh, whether they work there or not, I couldn't, I couldn't say. Yeah, that makes sense. I couldn't tell.
0: Um, You know, I'm sure they have the Mukti-Mucks having their meetings and that kind of stuff, so I'm Mm -hmm. sure you see a lot of officers from other branches probably coming in. Yeah. You're probably not going to see a private from the Army rolling through your gate in uniform, but you probably will see that a lieutenant or above potentially coming through to... Mm -hmm have a meeting with whoever they're having meetings right. with and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Probably a lot more common. The decision makers, I guess, meeting up where the, mm-hmm. the workers are just executing the mission. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you know, that's military. That's your overseas. You're here for a couple weeks, and what are you kind of excited to be back in the States doing?
1: Um, just hanging out, just doing everything, seeing family, going to the lake. You know, I got a couple of Mario games I'm going to, like a Rainiers game as well. Um, just different parties and you know just hanging out with everybody you know haven't seen him in 15 months you know yeah so no that's
0: definitely you know nice to um you know we have another friend that whose son just um came back from um, he's in the navy he's doing you know submarine school and that kind of stuff and he just came back wow um he hasn't gone anywhere yet you know he's still um it sounds like there's some big backlog issue with people's clearances right now mm-hmm. and so he's been stuck it happens not doing anything essentially yeah. it sounds like for the last month or two where he got out of their navy's basic and then he went to i think submarine school but now he's waiting to go to his next school in that you know whatever field that they have him stuck in but he can't get the clearance not that you can't get the clearance that he's just in that backlog of everybody trying to get clearances mm-hmm. um, i know a guy who's a um top down in Texas and he's waiting for the same thing because he got picked up by a, a multi-agency task force type of thing. So he's right. waiting for the same clearance. And so it just sounds like there's that backlog and that kind of stuff going on. And so he ended up coming back. Um, it's one of those things where you're gone and sometimes, you know, you don't know when you're going to necessarily come back because yeah. it's, you are at the leisure of the military. I mean, yeah, you, you sign that contract and they say. Yeah,
1: then that's it. You know, yeah. they have you. You don't, you don't have a choice. I mean, yeah. I mean, you do, but you get quite a bit of trouble for that. Yeah. And that's
0: the the thing that, you know, well, for me, you know, I work um, 11 hour shifts. I work 11 hours and 15 minutes. I get paid extra for that. Where if you work 12 and a half hours, you're not getting extra for that half hour. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there are some definite downfalls, but I'm sure the the benefits probably outweigh those downfalls. I mean, you're getting a lot of opportunity in Mm -hmm. the air force and the opportunities, you know, extend past when you, um, you know, finish up your service. I mean, you have, access to a lot of, you know, good financial programs, good opportunities for buying houses and right buying, you know, getting loans for cars. And then, you know, college, if you decide that, you know, college is your thing down the road, that you do that. Um, I know they have a lot of opportunities when you're also in the Air Force, you know, they have the, what, the College of the Air Force and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is there. And what I've seen um, law enforcement in general is putting more and more of an emphasis on college and that kind of stuff, as well as having the professional police officers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people who are looking at going to the military don't, completely sign off on not going to college and that kind of stuff because there are some agencies that um, like for us we get paid an extra four percent if you have a bachelor's degree well you know that's a couple hundred bucks a paycheck mm-hmm. and you know that's a decent amount of money um, yeah or if you even if you put that money aside into retirement that kind of stuff which everybody should do you know mm-hmm. that's my financial uh, layperson advice for you as soon as you can start <laughs> contributing to some type of retirement do it because um, it benefit you so much i mean i've been doing like I said, i've been doing this now for 10 years you know working my 11th year but if i was to quit tomorrow and could cash out my retirement i could pay off my mortgage yeah in just one check just wow here it is and you know it's not as a, a brag or a boast but it's i as soon as i was able to do it you know it was a, a good amount of money i mean right. i understand that being in the military you don't necessarily make a whole bunch of money but you'll have the opportunities once you get and you'll still be young to do that That I strongly encourage anybody who can if your employee allows you to pay into retirement or matches or do that kind of stuff put in as much as you can reasonably afford or maybe just a little bit more because it's I mean once it's already taken out it's it's there and then you just kind of readjust yeah that when I had my the percentage that I had taken out I didn't know any better for the last 11 years it's been the same mm-hmm. you know I think like 8 or 10% of my overall wage yeah is taken out I don't notice it because from day one it's been that way yeah and like I said if I quit tomorrow and they, you know, cut me a check, I could pay my house off. Exactly. And that's, you know, I, mean, I don't live in an area where I'm paying off a million dollar house. I definitely don't live <laughs> in one of those. But, you know, it's a fair amount of money that I, I wouldn't have been able to save that money on my own. You know, exactly. It's, you it's know. definitely beneficial. Yeah.
1: And, like, the cool thing the military does is that they have people there that will help you with money. You know, there's, like, financial counselors that you can go to and you're like, hey, I don't really know how to set up a budget. And, you know, they help you out with all that stuff. And then there's ob- obviously, you know, different retirement plans and stuff so that you can choose from. And as soon as you can, just keep putting that stuff away because, you know, you never know when a rainy day is going to come either. Yeah. So
0: no, that's definitely the case. I mean, I've heard lots of, you know, quote unquote horror stories from people in the military where, you know, they're overseas or at training or doing something and then something happens back at home with their spouse or their child or their mom or their dad or mm-hmm. whatever and you know being able to send money back home or you know put in some type of waiver to be able to go wherever that is to pay for what needs to happen that kind of stuff that yeah the service definitely does really good job of taking care of you and they do a good job of taking care of you know your spouse and that kind of stuff but it only goes so far and they can only do so much the mission is still the number one definitely thing yeah. going on and stuff so you, know, you can be stuck away from your wife who's having a medical problem and mm-hmm. you're literally stuck because, you know, they're not going to yeah. release you depending on where you're at and what you're doing at that time. Yeah. So, so right. Like I said, we've known each other now for a couple of years. We really kind of met real heavily during um, football season two years ago, which you were creeping up on. Are you excited for it or?
1: I am. I'm very excited for it, actually. You know, um, I'm more of a college football fan than the NFL and stuff. Um, I mean, still watch it definitely, but you know, there's just a lot of things happening, like, nobody really knows what's going to happen, yeah. you know. Um,
0: yeah, there's the kind of a changing of the tide going on right now in college football with different powerhouse schools. Some of them got in trouble, some of them changed coaches, some of mm-hmm. you know, players shifting around a little bit more, and that kind of stuff. That, um, are you finding that it's easy to keep up with college sports? In
1: you know England, I mean it's oh it's it's so tough, it's way too tough. Um, because you know you don't get the same apps. You know everything's know. all like my yeah. wife and I we bought a UFC fight, stayed up till three a.m. to watch it, and it said it was all good to go on Amazon, and then we hit we hit white we tried to play it, and it's like oh it's not available in your area. So you have to, you have to deal with that stuff. You know I mean you have, might have to wait later until it comes out on YouTube. Yeah. You know you just like stay off you know social media for a couple days and stuff, but. Yeah.
0: Yeah, spoilers are probably a real big thing for where you're at. It's I mean, you you're nine hours ahead. That when stuff's happening in the states, that's essentially in the past for or in the future for you, even though you're ahead of
1: us. Yeah. So I mean, it's like you know, you wake up and check your phone on a, on like a Tuesday morning, which was like Sunday, like night, um, and it's like, dang, like I didn't want to see the score now. Yeah. You know. Um, yep
0: kind of ruins it for you when uh you figure out who who you know won the super bowl and you're trying to watch it the next day or something yeah i'm also looking forward to this you know upcoming season i haven't been following as much so i'm kind of probably just as much in the dark as you if if anything you probably know a little more about what's going on the next uh, (laughs) little bit especially college ball i don't watch college ball as much i used to just because i have you know direct tv and they have a lot of sec games where i'm a Mm pac-12 fan and unless you buy the pac-12 network they don't show pac-12 games on yeah you Know the, the big four, you know, there's nothing on ABC, NBC, Fox, ESPN, and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. unless one of them are playing, you know, Alabama or
1: Clemson or something like that, which they
0: never do. Yeah. But, you know, maybe once or twice, you know, every few years, USC might play against them or something like that. Yeah. But
1: especially like if you, if you know, if your team's not top 25, they're not, you know, you're not going to see yeah. them because yeah. they'll only play on the Pac 12 network because nobody yeah. wants to watch like a one in nine team play a two and eight team, yeah. or anything like that.
0: No, I mean, that's even the same with, um, I've been noticing like, um, you know, Mariners are almost predominantly on root sports, but Mm -hmm. the last couple of games, forget who they're playing, but I, it'd be on my phone games on right now and I'd go and it'd be like the Dan Patrick show or something else on Like I couldn't even watch it on there because it was, you know, regionally cut off or whatever. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Right. You have them isolated to one channel, but then that one channel doesn't have them on because wherever they're playing has it on for them or whatever.
1: Yeah, so, like, at work, like, you know, if I was lucky enough to be somewhere where there was a TV or anything like that, you know, the Armed Forces Network, for some reason, when the Mariners got really hot in May, they were like, okay, people want to see, like, these games and stuff, so they played them a lot more than, like, all the other teams, like, because, you know, there's, like, two sports channels, and, Mm -hmm. like, basketball's going on at the same time, you know, playoffs and all that, and so, like, they were picking that, and so I was able to watch, like, quite a bit of Mariner games. Um, But, no, definitely, like, it's weird how they don't all have, you know, the Pac-12 network, Rue Sports. I mean, obviously it's yeah. going to happen, but it's just tough.
0: Yeah. No, it's, you know, so if you don't have, like, say if you don't have one of those top 20, consistent top 25 teams, sports is a lot harder to, right. to track and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, then you get into the NFL, NBA, all the majors. If your team that you like isn't in the region that you're in, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder. I mean, good luck being a... Jacksonville Jaguar fan in yeah. the Pacific Northwest. I mean definitely. Even when they're doing really, really good, they tend not to be on any channel you can get around here right. unless they're playing one of those teams, you know, over here. Which is, you know, isn't all the time, you know, every four years they will do their run through the, you know, NFC West and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's it's tough kind of being a sports fan in a region where you're not a fan of the team you're playing. I know that you're uh I don't know if you still are, but you're a big Patriots fan.
1: Oh, definitely. You know. Tom Brady's still the best ever to live.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't say that I hate the Patriots, but I'm not say the Patriots are my favorite. <laughs> but you can't deny, you know, Tom Brady's five rings. I mean, he's yeah. five and three in the Super Bowls.
1: It's and, insane. You know, and he's 14, like he just turned 41, you know, eight, and he's still going out and playing. Everybody still knows they're like, like you know, NFL top 100, it's always going it to be him at either one or two. Yep. You know, no,
0: nope. yeah. I mean, I play fantasy football and I have a draft coming up. And if he follows me at the right spot, I wouldn't not. Draft him. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Especially now that he's away from all the suspensions and that kind of stuff, and it looks right. like he's gonna be getting some good weapons around him. Even he's in his forties, right? You know, but there's other quarterbacks in their forties. I wouldn't take Eli Manning, and no. he's getting close to that same age. And you know, Ben Roethlisberger, I wouldn't necessarily take him. But Tom Terrific, he just has that fountain of youth where he can still it's play crazy just as good as
1: it just seems like he's still learning. You know, him and Bill Belichick for like since 2000, just keeping on going, and. Yeah. The fact that they're still able to find ways to win ball games, and it just seems like nobody's like really figured it out. It's almost like everybody just already knows. Like you know, Tom Brady gets the ball at the fifty-yard line with forty-five seconds left. The defense has got to be thinking like we're losing. Yeah. You know, I I know I'd be out there and be like, man, this is the greatest ever. Like play, like this is yeah. it. Uh, it's just crazy. He's forty-one years old. And he's stayed like that pretty healthy. Like, he only missed mm. one season from tearing his ACL. Yep. And that was it. That was his like, only really big downfall besides his suspensions. Yeah.
0: And he still came back like within a year or two and won a Super Bowl. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's not like that he regressed at all. I mean, and that was back before people really were coming back all the time. I mean, five of the players blew their ACL out of the same year. I guarantee you those five players still aren't playing today. Yeah. And so it's just
1: his value is you know, crazy. Just, like, his position, you know, yep. had, the, like, great offensive line this entire time. I remember, like, I started like them when I was, like, little and I watched them play the Rams in the Super Bowl. And I remember my dad watching and He's like, wow, that is insane. Like, he just, with all that pressure against a really good football team, mm-hmm. and he did all that. So, like, I think it was, like, the next Christmas or whatever, I got, like, my first Tom Brady jersey. And it's just ever since. And then people are just like, oh, Tom Brady sucks. Like everybody, and then as they get older, so that was like in middle school when everybody just talked crap about him. And then towards the end like of high school and now, everybody's like, you were right all along. Like He yeah. is the best. Yeah. Can't deny. I mean, it doesn't necessarily
0: mean you have to like him, but you can't deny how good he really is. I mean, you know, everybody was hating on, you know, the one I know the most is the Seahawks. You know, everyone was hating on the Seahawks after mm-hmm. their Super Bowl run and yeah. about, Oh, you know all these bandwagon fans and blah, blah 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 But their defense was playing lights out. Yeah. And you just, you have to to respect the what those people are doing. You know, you have to respect what Tom Brady's. You have to, you, to be prepared for him mm-hmm. to drop fifty points on you. Yeah. And you know having that respect not just that but just you know the watching that kind of, of like all oh, that athlete is yeah he doesn't look like an athlete like if you were just walking <laughs> down the road if you weren't a Patriots fan you wouldn't pick him out as hey that guy's the you know best quarterback to ever live yeah you know the epitome of the dad bod going on yeah and but he's still an athlete I'm sure he's strong as heck and can run you know faster than most average people and that kind of stuff right and,
1: uh, yeah people don't think about that stuff that like they can't do it he still yeah. can
0: yeah and nobody thought he could. I mean, no. he got drafted in the, what, the last round or whatever. I think he was the
1: 199th pick. Six quarterbacks were taken yep. ahead of him. That's, that's got to feel like Cleveland Browns. You know, it could have been them.
0: Yep. It very well could be. But also coming into a good organization with a good coach. I mean, I'm sure every time the Cleveland Browns have drafted somebody, they thought that, hey, this is our Tom Brady.
1: Yeah, in the past five years, they're like, this is it. This is our guy. And, you know, Johnny Manziel, now he's up in Canada. And he I can't mean, even start up there. He got yeah.
0: traded away and that kind of stuff for yeah. team. And it's it's just crazy how, I mean, becoming a professional athlete is one of the hardest things to do. I mean, just numbers-wise, I mean, there's not a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. to even do it. Yeah. And then um, I think the stats I've heard is like 1,600 people play for the NFL, mm-hmm. essentially from like all the different positions. And, you know, 53-man rosters when they have a little bit more and they carry into camps across 32 teams, all that kind of stuff that the odds of making it is so so low yeah but then once you get in there being successful i mean the average nfl career is only like three years like three to five years and then not for long you know you're out and that kind of stuff and find somebody like you know your tom brady's who've been able to do it with a different team almost every single year i mean Mm -hmm. the odds of him having the same receiving core and the same offensive line the same whatever every single year for him i mean he's had more he's had just as much shuffling as the browns have had for Mm -hmm. team personnel than anybody else and it's just it's crazy. You know, crazy. They always
1: they always find the right guy to do the job.
0: Yep. but that's what um, the point I was trying to get at was kind of a long way around. Though, but all these people come out and they come out in the draft thinking, "I am going to be anywhere from um, your Andrew Luck drafted number one overall to your um, Tom Brady drafted 199th, or your even your Kurt Warner who went undrafted and that kind of stuff. Like right. I'm, I'm the best that there is. I'm going to go out and do all these things, and then they get there and they're not as good as they <laughs> thought they were. And, you know, some just go to a bad team. There's been great mm-hmm. players go to bad teams and end up in bad situations. Right. And they just don't make it. But there's been – I think you could take Tom Brady and you could put Tom Brady on the Browns or on, um, you know, the Jets or anybody who's been, you know, struggling in the last couple of years. And they would automatically have more success. Yeah. Just because of that one player. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot of one players you could put on any other team and have them be –
1: The only two that I can think of is probably Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson maybe, you know. And it's crazy.
0: Yeah, unless you have that special ability. I mean, yeah, you can have your Ben Roethlisberger and your Carson Wentz and that kind of stuff who have a big arm and can be good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if they were to get cut tomorrow and get picked up by a team who hasn't won in a few years, you know, the Browns or the Dolphins or the Texans the 49ers, I mean, <laughs> how much success are they really going to have? Right. Not as much. Yeah. It's, you know, that was probably your dream when you were a
1: starting quarterback for your high school football team. Yeah, and then it turns out, like, oh, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> and then you get way in over your head, and then and yeah. that's it. You know, I like defense more anyway. Like being the, uh, as I tell my
0: kid who plays football, it's better to be the hammer than the nail.
1: Exactly. You know, it doesn't it does. hurt as bad
0: to hit somebody as it does to get
1: hit. Yeah, I got tired of it. You know, my back's still sore. <laughs>
0: you know. Yeah, I'd like to say it's going to get better, but it's not. Because then, you know, if you stay in law enforcement, uh, your back's going to start hurting, your knees will start hurting, <laughs> your shoulders will start hurting, you'll find you get. Yeah. You know, I've up into when I, probably now three times I've been to the emergency room, all from my job. Wow. And before that, I never went in my entire life, except for, I guess, once when I was like, you know, no recollect, no memory of it when I got my finger um, slammed in a door. But besides mm. that, so I mean, essentially 20 years of never going to the ER. And now I've gone three times in 11 years, which isn't a lot, but mm-hmm. it's all been work-related. You know, have either yeah. been bit by a dog or um, exposed to bloodborne pathogens two to two separate times. Um, I've screwed my knee up. I've had to go get MRIs and, you know, looked mm-hmm. at surgery and that kind of stuff for all work-related yeah so it's all gonna all gonna come back to get yeah. you know, all oh, them, yeah all them football it's days are stop you know yeah. gonna you know you'll probably end up having some aches and pains when you get out of the military then those aches and pains will turn into more aches and pains mm-hmm. when you go on your next spot but i uh appreciate you coming on here today and talking about you know your experience of military and Living overseas, you know, it's something that not everybody gets to experience, but I'm sure a lot of people have been thinking of. So, I think it, yeah. you know, you'll give some insight to the people who are uh, thinking about it as a career. I mean, are you, quote-unquote, happy? You know, is this...
1: No, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I can't complain. I would rather, you know, I, I would do it again and again. You know, it's, it's just, in my opinion, the best way to start your life.
0: So nope. I respect that. And, you know, we uh, all thank you for your service. I mean, that's thank definitely a sacrifice to, you know, be away from your family and do what you have to do and know that, you know, you can get called right to the sandbox tomorrow. If, mm-hmm. you know, something kicks off or wherever that might be, you know? Yeah. Depending on whoever's mad at us tomorrow, you know, you can get sent <laughs> wherever they send you. So exactly. we definitely all appreciate that. And, uh, thank you. Well, uh, Wrap it up here and uh, thank you everybody for listening. And as always, you can find us on Instagram at Discussions Around a Table and uh, the contact on there. You know, we're looking people to start sending us in questions and that kind of stuff, maybe theme ideas or uh, certain people might want to see their career paths or different things. I have uh, quite a variety of people that I can, you know, potentially have on here. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, um, you can get us through there at the Discussions Around a Table and uh, enjoy the show. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent any organization, current or former employer, agency, community, group, government, entity, or individual enterprise during the recording. The host of discussions around the table and their guests are not subject matter experts on the topics that are discussed and are strictly expressed by the host or the guests. Any information given on the podcast is done so in good faith, if malicious intent, or intentional misrepresentation. While the host and their guests have taken every precaution to ensure the content is both current and accurate, errors can occur make no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information on this podcast. You should not be held liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages, arising from further use. It is the listener's responsibility to verify their own facts and formate their own opinions. The listener should consult a licensed professional familiar with their particular factual situation or advice before making any legal, financial, business, or personal decisions based on the information from this podcast. Any action taken based on the information of this podcast is strictly at your own risk.